thank you so much siddharth pai mohandas pai uh, for joining us today today all of us have money insecurity in this covid 19 what should we be doing and thinking when it comes to money uh, shada let me say this all of us should be on survival mode for the near future why survival because we have to make sure that we get over this crisis nobody in the world knows how to get over this crisis because there is no cure for this virus and this virus could spread if people start moving about now social distancing is the only solution because you have to start to spread but once people let go they try moving around they could come in interaction with people and it could start again and there is no guarantee we seen it happen in singapore it's happened in china in a small way is happening in other countries so till we get a cure are we develop a natural immunity uh, we have to be careful so this situation could continue some kind of lockdown should continue and next is even if we have natural immunity who says that is not very sure whether people are going to stop getting it in future so it is a very fluid situation it's a new situation then there are no easy solutions so what should you do with money now i would suggest whatever money that you got make sure it's kept safely and safely means it is kept in a bank and bank means is kept in a aaa rated bank and two be very careful when you invest in mutual funds or any other other instrument because you have to evaluate the mutual funds you cannot take any risk with capital we are all greedy we want to take risk with capital but you cannot take risk with capital because you are on survival mode this is yeah. as good for startups or as good for companies some people may feel that i'll invest in the mutual funds in equity and i'll make money and i can do some money please let it go i tried that in 1994 in infi when i put money into the ipo boom and i remember i we lost 2 and 1/2 crores and i had to go before the shareholders and give a public apology never to do it again and never did it again uh, till 2011 when i left even now infi is not doing it and they got uh, more than uh, maybe 30000 crores in the bank in bank deposits why is that because we want safety of capital so for us when you are in survival mode whatever equity you got safety of capital is very very necessary as an individual and as a startup the next important thing is you must make sure that you cut your costs cut your costs elongate the need for money because you may not get any money for the next 2 3 months you may not get your salary on time because you have to conserve so you have to cut whatever cost you got so when you are in survival mode you can cut costs remove any discretionary expenditure as it is you are logged in you working from home you only have to pay for a wifi and you cook at home and the costs are very less when you cook your own food right i pity the restaurants and all this you know all the all the other other part of the business but there is a challenge and the third important thing is keep your people together most important thing is to keep your team together don't let go people this is a crisis time this shows strength of character if you have to take painful decision you must lead by example and take the biggest painful decision many of the founders have said i'll defer my entire compensation i'll cut my compensation they're cutting it for others but they're leading the way the living of the savings and they are demonstrating that we are all together they're communicating to the people and they're working together and the next thing is use this time productively to reconfigure your business model strategize think what you want to do how you want to do how to be sustainable what does this covid taught you covid has taught you that you must have cash in the bank unencumbered for the next 18 months at all point of time that events like this even though a black sand event could happen 
and shraddha you know it very well you done it all your life you always made sure you had money in the bank and every morning and evening you did puja in the morning you saw your <laughs> bank balance did puja in the evening bank balance did puja and made sure you kept your money and that's how you built your company and that's how we build infosys so don't ever think that money is free money is available of a tree and you can do what you want and spend gloriously don't do that because Thank you never you. know what happens and in future things are going to be very different be frugal on capital respect capital and capital reward you in multiples because you blow up all the capital you have to dilute and you become an employee in a company you know the shraddha because you kept all this employee all this uh, money in the bank and you're frugal you know you are a standing example of how to run a company with frugality in capital respect capital you know you are quite comfortable today and you are still got a very large stake in your story so you call the shot of the entrepreneur you not been made you an employee by any of the investors we are investors too but you know you know that you at the end of the day you decide everything so i think i would say these are the things to do this will end sooner or later the sun is going to rise tomorrow and the sun will set tomorrow so it will happen and we must be prepared for that and take advantage tell us what advice are you giving to your portfolio companies in 314 capital what's some of the key advices that you've given uh, to your companies so i think so i think mdp has actually done a very good job in i think summarizing the entire one hour conversation in the first 6 minutes itself so it's not going to be much else for anyone else to say but i think uh, so see the the ever since ever since uh, since march itself we've actually been tracking we've actually been tracking and working with our companies very intently on this the first thing we've done is we've actually helped a large large portion of our investing companies raise capital in 2019 so a number of them are actually well capitalized as of now and they can weather it along with this the moment we heard of the lockdown as well as chanta curfew that happened we started modeling all our companies and figuring out which ones are stressed and we started we started cobbling rounds together for them what all the companies have done so far is number one they've all cut their marketing expenses i think marketing marketing has slowly evolved to be one of the largest cost drivers for any for any startup because it becomes a sort of a the proxy for the growth of the startup as well so i think marketing cuts marketing cuts is something everyone's instituted across the board number two all of vivachi advise all our companies and we've helped them as well negotiate with all their vendors etc to make sure they get more favorable credit terms uh the second largest cost that all startups actually have incurred is actually the rental payments the rental payments that technology infrastructure costs etc so i must actually give a shout out to uh, this one aws digital ocean google clouds uh, microsoft azure as well all of them have taken great pains in ensuring that there are some amount of credits available to all the companies so far so that the technology costs etc actually get deferred over a longer period of time number 3 what we've done with our portfolio companies is depending on cases we've actually asked them to look at all the security deposits and other depo- the rental deposits etc that they have on their balance sheet as uh, mdp also said uh, cash is king right now liquidity is the most important need for any startup so every startup actually needs to look at its balance sheet figure out which are the assets that they can actually liquidate in a short span of time in, in order to get the money in um, the rental deposits and other deposits are a large component of it another part that we watchy done is the income tax refunds if you look at the balance sheet of any of the startups so far you will actually see large refunds that are due to them uh, either in the form of gst refunds or income tax refunds while well, the government has announced the uh, releasing of income tax refunds up to rupees 5 lakhs 5 lakhs is not is not enough for any of the startups 5 lakhs essentially gives you a revenue to, a revenue cap of about 50 lakhs in the previous year and most of the startups who earn more than that um their money hasn't come back so what we are doing with our startups now and think this is something all the others can actually follow through is we are actually going to all their bankers since they have a long history with all these bankers as well asking them that since there is a uncontested income tax refund due from the government to actually to actually give a loan for which a security is that so that ensures you get immediate 
cash in the bank as of now and as and when the as and when the money comes in from your income tax refund whenever that happens the money can be actually used to square off that particular loan along with this the sidbi is also done the csas scheme uh, the covid uh, the covid scheme for startups as well so we're helping our startups actually apply for that so i think it's just a measure of cost reduction we also advise all our companies as mdp also said not not to go for any reduction in manpower because what happens what happens as of now when it's crucial is the fact that the moment you let an employee go under these particular circumstances the hiring market has almost frozen and there's no there, there's no way that particular person can actually can actually go and find a job in this market as of now so ensuring job security is imperative um, across across all the portfolio companies a number of founders have taken great steps in actually cutting their salaries the most this is crucial because every time the company's valuation goes up and the company does better since the founders are a line share of the company they actually they actually they actually enjoy this uh, the greatest so it's always it always behooves them to lead by example and cut this cut this down no one knows and along with this we're also working with the government to help create a sort of relief measure for startups numerous bodies ibca ispirit etc and a number of entrepreneurs and investors have written to them we are closely in touch with various government government officials to make sure some relief comes in for startups so the fingers are crossed as well we will have 100 unicorns i want to ask you are you being but ambitious about this belief or do you really believe that we can do it shraddha let me give you an example in 1998 i made a presentation in the indian institute of science in a technical seminar to say the indian it service industry would have 50 billion dollars of exports by the year 2010 all right uh, uh yeah by the year 2010 50 billion dollars in 1999 at that point yeah. of time there was a retired secretary who said look at this fellow there only 2 billion dollars he's talking about 50 billion dollars and uh, you know look at this jewel gems and jewelry they're already 8 billion dollars they're not talking big numbers i got very upset as much younger hot blood so stood up and said sir let me tell you if india doesn't do it indians will do it and we achieved 50 billion dollars i mean you know it happened and why did it uh, uh, why did it happen it happened because there were extraordinary people with a dream who went out and made it happen now look at the startup industry look at all these great entrepreneurs you've been talking about you talk to them look at the dream look at the energy look at the passion look at what they're doing finding solutions is remarkable today we you know chandra we got maybe 50000 startups you got to update your report uh, we got uh, you know 34 unicorns and you are part of the report and uh, you we got 160 billion dollars of value created we got 60 billion dollars in from 2014 so we have been successful now this is a passing phase and you also know when you wrote that bangalore report we found that 50 to 60 sunicorns you could become unicorns by 2025 and i think it's very important to understand that what is happening today is a passing phase it is not the future and india is a country constrained by supply not demand supply at a price because we are a growing economy in the united states you could grow 2 2.5% that's very large europe could grow 1 1.5% that's very large because they're saturated we are not saturated a per capita income is only $2000 even though bangalore is something like $7000 so we have a long way to go we have to build roads we have to build houses we have to build infrastructure everything else now you got these extraordinary people who are working who are doing well and so many of them have come up with nothing but tell me shraddha did uh, anybody give you a check to start nothing you had your wits you had your brains you worked very hard and you succeeded that's what all these people have done and it's remarkable we must stand up and salute all these entrepreneurs and that is what gives me hope and it is i am very sure it will happen by 2025 i am very very sure it will happen 
In fact, uh, you know, when Narayan Murthy said that Infosys will be uh, $100 million of revenue by the year 2000 in 1993 at the IPO, I asked him, sir, what gives you confidence? He said, our model says it can happen. And we beat the number two times over, right? You have to plan for it. You have to execute. Now, let me say why I'm confident we'll have 100 unit costs. Look at this 34 unit costs. What do you find in them? What are the characteristics? First, they have a good technology and a good business model. They have a good technology, good business model. That means they're fulfilling somebody's need. Second, their customer service and customer outreach is pretty good. Because ultimately, the customer is the only person who pays you. And that's the only money you get. You can't, like somebody who's in London, think that all borrowings is revenue. <laughs> borrowing is not revenue. <laughs> so you got to be careful. All right? So customer service is very good. Third, they're very good in execution. They're very good in execution. They executed flawlessly. They've grown. They've taken risks, blah, blah, blah. And lastly, all the unicorns have made sure they raise capital at the right time and at the right place and much in advance. So they've been quick to raise capital. They've gone and sold their story to many venture capitalists. And the venture capitalists, either driven by the need to make good investment or the hope of a greater valuation, have given them money. And they've made multiple rounds of capital. Now, these are very important things. I was speaking to Apramaya, you know, I must tell you this. And asked him, taxi for sure. Taxi for sure is better technology. I asked him, Apremaya, why did you sell out? He said, sir, what to do? I was building technology and Babesh was raiding capital. Soon he raised so much of money, I had no hope and I had to sell. Now that is what sustains. Now you see, in this time of need, those people who are raised capital, who kept money in the bank, who got spending power, dry powder, they're the ones doing very well. And those people who are not raised capital have not done very well. Now, like, like I said, you know, in that Bangalore report, we said 50 to 60 SUNYCONs. What should they do? What should they do in future? First, they must use this opportunity to build a viable business model. Second, improve processes to make sure that your customer service works. Third, use data and analyze what worked, what did not work, and pivot or do whatever it is that you have to do. And fourth, make sure that you build a good team of people by allocating the right duties to people and analyze who can last till you reach a billion dollars or whatever it is and then do that. And most of all, draw up a investor relation plan. Now, Shraddha, the only person who pays you revenue is the customer. But the only person who gives you money after that is the investor. Now, I find that many of the people do not want to talk to their investors. I would urge all startups, please talk to your investors every month. Send them a one page of this is what we did. Have a call every two months. Invite them, talk to them, and explain to them what you did. Listen to the suggestions. You are the decision maker. You will decide because everybody is backing you. But listen to them and make them feel wanted and keep in touch with them. And every quarter, go meet them, talk to them, and share what you have done and take the suggestion. Keep in touch with them because existing investors are your greatest support. It basically means that when you need money, they are the ones who write the check first, build up relations. Next, identify the people you want on the cap table. Who are those people? And go meet them. Every quarter, every two months, go meet them, even if you don't want money. Just tell them, I've come to meet you. I want to present my company. I want to showcase what I've done and listen to your worldview. Ask you what is happening in the world and learn from them and meet them. The CEO should spend 30% of the time meeting investors. And you should have a good CFO who will prepare a nice pitch book, write the thesis and explain and go around and meet all the investors. And then, very importantly, Shraddha, the mutual fund industry today is about 25 lakh crores. 25 lakh crores. That's a lot of money. All right? And equity out of that could be maybe 
you know, three or four lakh crores. And the total equity in India was two, two crore crore, but now it's come to about uh, 145 lakh crores or so. So go meet many of the equity analysts or tech equity analysts. Showcase your company to them, talk to them and keep in touch with them because they are the ones who can, you know, uh, introduce you to many investors and they can spread the word. So you should create a group of people whom you want at the cap table. And whenever you think six months, nine months later, you want to raise money, go to them and pitch to them. And then you have that relationship built up. When I CFO of Infosys, I used to meet in 95, 300 investors every year. I used to travel and meet them. It was very tough. Let me, anybody who came to Bangalore, we met them. I spent 30, 40% of my time. Murthy spent 20, 30% of time. We didn't raise money. We didn't want money. But we met everybody. We built the thesis. We built the brand. And we built it in the mind till they understood that we are a good company. And they went and bought the stock. And they were loyal. And they all made money. So you must... Go to investors, talk to them and have a good investor relations and communicate. I have seen one or two founders of companies who got listed recently and they told me, sir, after listing, nothing has happened. I told him, you must market yourself. Everything in life you must market. You must market your company to consumers. You must market to investors. You must create your brand. You must create an image in the minds of the investors at the next great discovery that's going to boom and make a lot of money to them. Because all investors want to know which is the next unicorn. They want to buy in when the prices are low and they want to do that. And you must convince them. And of course, you must execute on your plan. You must have a three-year firm, three-year rolling plan, one-year firm plan, get into the components and build it up and plan all that. And if you're able to do that, you'll do that. The last point is today, one other market has opened up, the growth platform of SEBI. But SEBI has done remarkable things for startups to do it. You must really look at listing. The growth platform gives you one or two years before you go to the main board. And there is a lot of money following that market and money will come. But money will come only when you market. So look at getting a listing on the growth platform, doing maybe a dilution of 5-10%. And remember, you must raise money when the money is available, not when you need the money. When the market is hot, money is available, raise the money. When you want money, the market may not be there, you may not get money. And that's the learning I had. Go to the market when the market is hot. Raise the money when the money is available. Keep the money in the bank to meet expenditure for the next one and a half years. And always market, market, market to investors. And when you need money, they will all come and sign. They trust you. You don't have to sell over much. I think this is what we need to do. And those 34 unicorns have done all this. And that's why they become unicorns. They've been successful. And the 50, 60 unicorns and anybody who does this has to follow. There are only two things that you have to do well. Market and investors. The market gives you revenue, the invest give you, investors give you the capital, and both are important. The rest you know, you know technology, you can build a product, you can build a team, but these are two things that the CEO has to do and lead by example. Tell me what is happening in, in your fund and how are you seeing this as an investor? Are you going to slow down? Are you going to recalibrate or are you going to continue investing as you were investing before? Happy to Sada. So, see, the first thing, the first thing that all entrepreneurs and investors, especially, need to understand is that this current COVID nineteen situation will pass. This too will pass. But investing and investing in venture capital is a very long term game. It's it's true that there are some very rapacious players who actually come into the market now who are pulling some very underhanded tricks. They are actually slashing on valuations anywhere from the range of thirty to eighty percent at times. There are people who are actually revoking term sheets at the very end, refusing to sign agreements, and then and then essentially trying to do a hostile take over a bit later. What will happen is given given the market situation as of now, 
these are the kind of players who will come out. But the moment the situation does uh, improve over time, and it actually will, nobody, no, no, no entrepreneur worth the salt is ever going to uh, is ever, ever going to uh, approach any of those particular investors. So those particular investors' entire history and the means of operations will be widely known. And we, I, I do actually expect a, num- a number of funds to actually shut shop because of that. Now, with regard to the investors, so we at Thiwan for Capital are continuing to actually selectively invest. We have the just in March itself, we actually closed our five rounds for our, the portfolio companies, and we're actually actively scouting for new deals as of now. So the matter is continuing. There are several other larger funds and all, etc., for whom whom everything is going. If you actually notice, Shraddha, the since late 2018 to early 2019, that's been a great year for Indian startups. It's also been a great year for funds as well. There are a number of funds that were actually launched during that particular period, a number of fund managers. Fund managers who actually launch uh, follow-on funds or subsequent funds. The amount of dry powder in the entire eco- ecosystem is high. By virtue of the dry powder being high at that point in time, in the valuations also were actually skyrocketing. Now, see, valuations have always been ahead of value creation. Everyone's been so seduced by the number of a valuation actually coming up that they actually fail to understand that you need to grow into those valuations. And the reason why they could command those valuations is because the money supply was extremely abundant at that point in time. So it became easier for them to actually go and raise. Now, given the current contraction in capital and the liquidity crunch that everyone's actually suffering as of now, most of those assumptions have actually gone out the window. So the exuberance that existed in the markets as of now with all the investors saying that I'm confident if I put money in now in six months, a guy can actually go raise a subsequent round of funding. He will go raise a large amount of money. All those have actually, all those have actually gone out the window. So a number of companies who don't have the fundamentals or don't have any metrics to actually justify those valuations, those particular valuations will fall. And I, for one, actually see that, see that as a positive sign for the entire industry. The moment the industry becomes that overheated, the valuations actually go so far ahead of value creation that the company can't even catch up over a three to five year frame. Then in that case, you realize that, that, something, that, that something is actually wrong. Most of the investors, like I said, the investors also are facing a problem because the bulk of the money that comes into a startup ecosystem primarily comes from people called LPs, basically the investors to the investors. The source of their funds uh, as well actually lies in the, in the stock markets. And this is, this is true across the entire world. The maximum allocation of money across the world is actually in the stock markets and in your listed instruments. And then venture capital is actually, actually a few shades behind that. Because of the precipitous fall in, in the valuations across the stock markets, people have seen their portfolios hit anywhere in the range of either 30 to 50%. So in that case, in that case, it becomes very hard for them to actually make an investment into the startup space or anything like that as of now. In India as well, India has been very overly dependent on foreign capital for a very long period of time. You've seen the few road that the entire uh, change in the FDI policy with regard to countries neighboring India has actually caused as of now. This is because some of those neighbors have been particularly large patrons of the Indian startup industry and people are scared that what happens in case, how do we actually fill up that particular vacuum? So in that particular case as well, India does, India does have the capital required for that. But the thing is, the Indian investor has always been very value driven. Whereas uh, some of the some of the foreign investors, etc., have been very growth driven. What do, what do I mean by that? In India as well, you can actually you can actually invest into either ETFs or any other any other sort of instruments, just tracking the entire index, and you would compound about fifteen percent. The Sensex is actually compounded fifteen percent, I think fifteen point six percent from nineteen ninety one all the way all the way to two thousand nineteen, if I'm not mistaken. This shows that India can actually India can actually achieve a large amount of growth during that particular period, and that growth is actually less risky and and is more liquid. Whereas we contrast that with a startup in the startup industry, and this is more an issue with policy more than anything else. We have, India has actually actively cultivated a series of policies that prevent and preclude and dissuade people from investing into startups. 
For example, the holding period for a stock in order for it to be considered long-term capital gains is only to one year in the listed space, whereas it's double the amount two years in the unlisted space. Uh, in the listed space, in case you exit for long-term, your total tax rate with all the assessors, uh, surcharge, etc. is 11%. Number one, I would say is the BJP in the 2019 election manifesto promised a 20,000 crore startup seed fund. I think now is the right time for the government to actually announce that particular measure to come up. So all startups can feel some amount of security that they will actually get capital. From, from from some particular source. So that's number one. Number two, in order in order to actively incentivize money coming to the startup ecosystem, the government should actually declare that for all investments made over the previous three years and for all investments made during the subsequent five years, that the capital gains, long-term capital gains rate, if they hold the security for more than three years, actually becomes zero. The total amount of money the government actually gets from long-term, long-term, uh, long-term capital gains, from capital gains others about 60,000 crores, if I'm not mistaken. That's the total income. The taxes on that is about 20%. So that's roughly about 12,000 crores. 12,000 crores for an economy of our size is a very small amount of small amount of money, but that 12,000 crores will be a huge fillip, the entire startup ecosystem as a whole. So that's step number one. Step number two, and step number three, what the government what the government should actually do is the government should actually create genuine tax incentives for people to start investing into startups and remove the restrictions um, that to, to actually prevent Indian larger Indian institutions from investing into Indian startups. The Canadian Pension Fund has actually invested into five Indian unicorns as of now. Whereas, have you ever heard of LIC or the National Pension Scheme or the Employee Pension Scheme? Any of them investing into any of our startups? Now, the question to ask yourself is: uh, Does the, do do our pension regulators really believe that Indian startups are such a risky asset class when various pension funds across the world are actively investing into them? So, these are the kind of questions. The things that prevent them from investing are actually the policies that have been created that were created in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. None of them have been properly updated to reflect the state of the Indian economy as of now. So these are my three, my three measures. Launch a, launch a startup scheme, lower the capital gains rate, allow, allow to, to domestic capital trust to, to start flowing into Indian startups right now. What are some of the traits that will get us to get the capital? You know, you know Shraddha, if, if a startup comes before you, why do you invest? Let us ask the question. Okay. First of all, when the startup, when the founder comes before you, you judge the founder, the character of the founder. Is the founder passionate about the idea? Is the founder willing to work very hard to make it happen? Is the founder articulate to explain the idea? That means the founder has thought it through and understands what it is. Is the founder able to answer all your questions? Does the founder have perseverance? Perseverance that, you know, I believe in this idea and I will come. And then once you judge the founder, because, you know, remember, the catalyst for any business is a human being. The catalyst is not money. It's a human being who uses money to create value. So the person is important. And then does the founder have a team? Are there two or three people? Okay. Because teams are important. You know, the risk of a single person is very high. You must remember that. So the teams are important. So you judge the person, judge the idea, the passion and what they can do and the capability and capacity. Then you go to the next thing. Next thing is, what is that idea? Is the idea worthwhile? Does the idea have a market? Will the idea grow? Can the idea be executed very well? And is there a need in society? And there is a judgment that you make. You could go wrong. You could go right. That's fine. But, but, the, but you know that the founder will pivot and change in case the idea doesn't work. So when you judge a person, you may see, does the person take feedback? Does the person do something? Let me give you an idea of Licious. You know, two young people, Vivek and uh, Abey, came to me with another friend, Anil Shetty, and met me and said, oh, we are going to start this fresh-made delivery, blah, blah, blah. 
Then I asked them a lot of questions. I sent them back. But I was saying, what is this Jyoti? 15 days later, they came back, answered all my questions. And the fact that they came back and met me, so immediately I said, okay, I'm going to invest uh, this so much of money. And those days I could decide myself. Now I can't decide for various reasons. You know, I'm put into a corner. But you know, I decided. And uh, after that, you know, it just worked well. And it, you know, it improved. Because what did I see in them? I saw perseverance, idea, passion, product creation, quality, and they came back. So I think this is an important thing. And then the idea, the idea can be factored in. And next, once you do that, they will go to other investors and try to cobble things together. And they cobble things together, you must make sure they don't take excess compensation for themselves. They're willing to sacrifice today for tomorrow. Why? Because they have the largest shareholding. You give them a valuation and you must give them a good valuation. Why should you give them a good valuation? Not take advantage of them, not take too much equity in them because they're desperate for money. You must give them a good valuation, take a smaller share for a very important reason. You know that you're going to dilute over time. They will need much more capital. And when they dilute over time, they must not come at time when they become employees because they diluted too much too early. And you must always remember, you are investing on the back of somebody who's going to run the business. That's the entrepreneur. The entrepreneur brings some magic. The entrepreneur is a catalyst. The entrepreneur is a dream maker. The entrepreneur is the executor. You're only an investor, right? So once you do that and you believe in the entrepreneur, you must make sure the entrepreneur has interest in the business and you must ensure at the end of the day, the entrepreneur benefits the most. You are an investor. You'll get returns. You should get good returns. But the entrepreneur should not be made into an employee because made in an employee with a very small stake, then you, they could always walk off. So I think this is a way to judge. And I think this is an important lesson for all entrepreneurs. What are the two, three things that will excite you? And you have seen over the years that these are the traits that makes an entrepreneur stand out. First is the body language. The body language. Are they positive? Do they have high energy? When they walk into the room, is there a glow around you? Glow around them? You know, the positivity and the idea. Okay, that is one. Second, the articulation and passion. Now, some people are not passionate. Some people are not articulate. Maybe, you know, they're geeks. They're not articulate. But they get excited about the idea. When they talk to you, they're excited. They say, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. You see that enormous energy and articulation in a very different way. They may not be safe in making presentations. Some people are very good in making presentation, very good talkers, but they can't execute, right? So you judge their education capability. And the third, what have they done so far? All right. What have they done so far? Is it just a PPT? Are they actually studied it? And you must ask them a lot of questions and how they respond. I think these are the three things that are very, very important. But to me, the person comes first and this is how I would judge. And these are the characteristics that uh, I would like to see. Because, you know, you know, you know, you know, uh, Shadda, passion, energy, high energy, passion, optimism. These are the things that can, can, can demolish everything else. And I know that entrepreneurship is very difficult. It's very, very, you know, energy sapping. You require confidence. It's hard work. It takes a lot of time. And success doesn't come easily. You go through many dilemmas in your mind. Sometimes you lose sleep, waking. When are you going to make a paycheck? Is the business going to come? The stress levels for entrepreneurs are very, very high. It's only, that's why only a few people can become entrepreneurs. Everybody cannot become entrepreneurs. So they yeah. don't have it. So the idea is, you know, checking up what makes the person tick. And you're able to tap it on and you do it. And most times you succeed. Sometimes you fail. That's fine. And if you fail, not because of want of trying, but you fail because things didn't work, that's fine. Now, there are a few people who, you know, say we fail. I respect them a lot because they tried their best. They tried their best. They tried everything. It didn't work. It is okay. 
because you know in this area uh, failure is a reality and when they come back again for the another idea i will always fund them because they tried their best the important thing is to try your best so i want to understand what do you do in 314 when an entrepreneur comes to you in your decision making and second thing is that as big bets in you know next unicorns which are some of the sectors happy to so shada see what we see so what we see happening as of now is fintech is going to be one of one of those areas that that is that, that is actually going to boom but what i mean by fintech is i don't mean i don't mean the uh, the older models of fintech where a large amount whether either being point solutions or they essentially essentially getting to lending or getting to credit by, by by raising a large amount of equity what i actually mean by fintech is the entirely new model new model of uh, allowing transactions and giving giving up one point solution for everything a business actually requires as of now what has become what has come to light as of now from the various uh, actions by rbi Uh, the 3.74 lakh crore bazooka and everything that they've done is that there is there is a s- systemic problem in the entire in- Indian financial system. There is a large amount of transmission loss that happens when the regulator actually actually makes a change until the end customer actually starts seeing that. So that entire system is actually broken as of now. We do see new business models coming out and supplanting the existing ecosystem. So these broader ecosystem changing uh, companies in the in the fintech space, especially, are going to actually start becoming the norm as of now because for as long as people have been able to talk they've been able to transact and finance finance and commerce has been an integral part of humanity as a whole so that's become number one number two what's going to happen is i believe the attention economy in india especially is is actually going to peak to a very large extent and the large amount of this is going to be driven by vernacular as of now we've seen what we've seen especially with, especially coming out of this particular crisis is the fact that india is india is far larger than than the mere 100 million people who actually speak english uh, fluently as of now the remaining 1.1.2 billion people of the country as well who speak uh, who speak vernacular languages and the indigenous language of india they are actually coming online as of now they're transacting farm in far greater volumes and in far higher numbers than, than anyone else uh, previously used to especially this is going to become especially important because this is a convergence of the entire facebook geo initiative that we're going to see happen now that in turn is going to create a new ecosystem and is going to create a new playground as well so which are the startups who can actually become part of that ecosystem leverage the ecosystem and scale up within the ecosystem that is going to be an integral driver for them the third the the third area that i that i'm going to see is going to see a lot of uh, a lot of positive light over the future that's going to be the commercialization of fundamental research what covid-19 uh, this is one of the lessons from covid-19 has actually shown us is that not enough money is actually going into commercialization of fundamental research um this particular virus has shown how how broken the entire healthcare infrastructure is and the fact that we don't have an active vaccine or we won't even doing any research around this particular area as well is extremely takes concerning so a large amount of money will actually start flowing into that and we'll start seeing people coming out in uh, education institutions like isc etc helping them to bridge the gap between academia as well as the capital markets and actually creating a mbp that people can fund and people can scale up over time along with this the enterprise backbone of india has actually been extremely strong the indian the, the the indian it it workforce as well is actually going to come all those who have been laid off from various countries etc companies etc will actually start getting into the workforce as of now and becoming entrepreneurs themselves if you remember we had the greatest rush of entrepreneurship happen after the 2008 great financial crisis i do believe in covid as well something like that will actually come up and the moment that does we will see the enterprise solutions coming out from india as of now going on to power the rest of the world as we, as we, as you go through we've already seen people raise numerous issues with an issue with uh, a service like zoom that's become a mainstay as of now there are various indian companies who are actually creating the technology solutions to actually replace the zoom in india as well and we do actually see many solutions like that actually coming up as remote home work and work from home becomes more strong as of now 
from the entrepreneur angle, what we also see is see the greatest risk in inv investing at the end of the day is actually the people risk you take. You can invest into an entity, but a corporate entity is just a wrapper around that particular person. The company itself or the founder is the person who actually drives the entire business, goes and raises capital, decides the roadmap, and usually the investors and the rest of the team is a sort of sounding board for that. So for this, for this, what we always see is we always need to make sure that the person, as Mr. As MDP also said, is passionate about it. More importantly, the person actually has the domain knowledge required. There are far too many people who actually get seduced by, okay, fine, this is the total addressable market of this particular segment. Let me actually try figuring out something to do in that segment. So they go raise capital and they sort of grope around in the dark trying to find some amount of product market fit. And then they try scaling up a business that way. Unless you have deep technical expertise behind the domain that you are chasing. Or that, or the invest, if the investor is smarter than you, especially when you go to pitch, then you're definitely reaching out to a wrong investor. You need to do a larger amount of homework before you go and start raising capital from those particular people. So technical expertise becomes a very core component of it. Oh yeah, sure, happy to. I think, I think I'll, actually, I'll actually wrap up that part. So the fact they need to have a deep domain expertise, they need to have the ability to actually lead and actually be a people person and actually change and pivot whenever needed. The third part, the third part they, need, they need to have is actually ambition. So what I mean by ambition is, see, this, this actually feeds into the point that MTP was make, making about Mr. Uh, Mr. Ambani. Mr. Ambani actually said he doesn't want to create another company. He wants to create an entire ecosystem. Now, if you actually speak to all the Indian entrepreneurs, the way they actually talk about it, the way they give interviews and everything, very few of them are actually thinking on an ecosystem scale. What, what, what Jio actually realizes, there is the entire long tail that everyone's been talking about. They've been paying lip service to. No one's actually gone towards them because no one's actually bought down the price of service to that particular extent. And the moment that happened, the moment Jio actually, actually came through, if you notice the amount of Indian funding, amount of money going into Indian startups actually started rising exponentially ever since the inception of Jio. So a large number of Indian entrepreneurs and startups actually have Jio to thank for the fact that their companies could actually scale up to this very extent because access has now gone to everyone there. So it's important for Indians. Everyone keeps saying we don't have a Google in India, we don't have a Baidu, we don't have an Alibaba, we don't have a ByteDance, anyone like that. Because those particular founders decided to think on an ecosystem level. They wanted something that's not just a better product, not just something quicker, but an entirely new way of actually doing things. So Indian, Indian entrepreneurs as well need to stop thinking about, okay, if I'm in this place, there are five, there are five competitors, there are, how do I actually tackle them? How do I raise more money than them? Let me niggle for another uh, 3 million, 4 million, 5 million in terms of valuation. You say, forget all that. Let's actually go and actually start figure out how do I actually create this entire ecosystem. So there is a media empire that can actually be built out in India to a very large extent. We can have India just something very large coming up in fintech as well. We have something coming large in terms of content, something extremely large, another infosys to actually come out within this span. And we do see after this COVID-19, if Indian entrepreneurs have these qualities and are ambition, when capital starts pouring in, these are the guys who will actually go on to become the next, the next Narayan Murthy's of, uh, of our entire country and whom everyone else is going to look up to. The FDI on China money coming to India because Indian startup ecosystem in the last two years has seen a lot of uh, money being deployed. And the second thing is the reliance and Facebook, the geo and the Facebook deal. A lot of people who are attending this want to have your view. How are you seeing both these developments? Uh, Shraddha, let me talk about the China issue. Governments all over the world are concerned the best companies could be bought by the Chinese because valuation is down. Their economies are down and the future is not so bright for many of them. So they're putting up barriers because they don't want high technology companies coming too. So India has done a similar thing. India has done a similar thing because if you look at the 34 unicorns, a large number of them are controlled by the Chinese investors. I've got huge investment from China because China came, they understood B2C very well. Most of them are B2C. They understood B2C because B2C has done very well in China. And they thought India is the next big market after China. Let us invest. And they've been successful. 
So the government's concern is very real. But now I would urge the government to make a distinction between control and investment. Now, if you don't want the Chinese to come and control your best companies, that is your prerogative, that's fine. I don't agree with it fully, but it is okay with me. Because so long as you have the market open for uh, competition, you know, it is okay. That's perfectly fine. Uh, two, but if the Chinese are just investors, not in a control situation, not in a majority situation, don't have onerous agreements. They're investors in some funds situated in Hong Kong or situated elsewhere. And they're very passive. They come here for, for earning the money, not for control. Then you should let it be. They're like anybody else. I don't think you should distinguish between the two. So I, was, I, I spoke to uh, government on this and urged them, why didn't you look at this? They said, look, we're taking this decision. We are looking into many things and uh, let us consider that. And today I read a report by Reuters, somebody, the government is looking at fast-tracking Chinese investment because China as a source of capital is uh, very important for us. And why is it important? Government has not done much to have domestic capital. Our insurance companies have a balance sheet between LIC and others of uh, nearly uh, 45, 50 lakh crore. How much have they invested? Every year they get six, six and a half lakh crore money coming in. And they invest for 25, 30 years. How much have they invested? Hardly anything. They're not investing. Our universities and others are not investing because the regulations don't allow them. Yeah. And our, uh, you know, the angels and others are invested, but uh, corporate India is not investing because of high capital gains tax and all that. So government has not opened up the Indian market for us to incentivize invest, Indians to invest. Now we shut the overseas market. That's not correct. You're putting the throwing us the wolves. So we told them, now that you've taken this decision, open up, uh, uh, open up the Indian market. I think they open up the Indian market. That will be very good. That needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Now, Geo, you know, Mukesh is the greatest business strategist India has ever seen. A remarkable person, a great entrepreneur, a risk taker, a patriot who believes that India should always be forward. And I am so very happy to see this. You know, look at what he did. When his father was there, they focused on petrochemicals from uh, textiles. And they did very well. They dominate petrochemicals. They're in the top five, top ten in the world. And they invested in a country like India, which is not known for investment in a capital intensive industry like petrochemicals and created many, many chemical products, right? Second, he started investing in uh, telecom at a time. Then they had the family fight. The younger brother took over and he bit his time. Then he said, I'm going to he put in $50 billion. $50 billion in a very mature market when there were two big players. One, one of the biggest companies in the world. Another very, very big Indian player. And both were profitable. The other small players. And what are the products they can offer? The plain commodity 4G product. But he came with it and he put $50 billion. And he came with that big strategy. What are the strategy? He's going to connect every Indian. He's going to give him or her 4G unlimited quality. He's not going to chance for the call. He's going to bring data. And he's going to, you know, connect the entire business system with the data. And using the data, he's going to make sure that he controls business. And anytime anybody makes a transaction, he will get uh, 10 paisa, 20 paisa of the transaction. A small fee. But the volumes are so large, he'll always be a winner. So he set up Geo. Executed Geo very well, remarkably in a short period of time, and it did well. Then he set up Reliance Retail at a time when retail was coming. There's a fear of Walmart coming, foreign capital, and he built up Reliance Retail to be the largest retail player in India. You know, three and a half, four thousand shops, etc., made losses, but he could sustain it, and now he's going to reap the benefits. And then in technology, after building this platform, he started building. Uh, you know, companies and investing in startups, in education, entertainment, and everything else. Then cloud. Cloud is a very, very big business in India. He tied up with Microsoft Azure in a strategic investment 
when Satya Nadella came here and made the big thing where you could get unlimited cloud on Jio. But for cloud, you require technology in the front end. And instead of creating his own technology, he got one of the best in the world, Azure, paying a small fee to Azure, but he'll create the capacity. And then he wanted retail and he wanted a means of reaching everybody. I know here you have WhatsApp, which is the largest way of communicating for everybody. 400, 450 million Indians are communicating in various languages. To replace them and start something else is going to be very difficult wherever you are. So here comes Facebook. And Facebook is uh, losing some customers in, uh, in Facebook because the younger generation is going to Instagram. And you know, there are some challenges there. So they come and he ties up, negotiates, get a good valuation, but gives them only 9.9%. He's going to call the shots. He's not getting a majority share in his company. Everybody is in minority, including the Saudis. Uh, Microsoft is only strategic. He owns the company. India will own the company. And we have been scared of becoming digital colonies. Mukesh Ambani alone, standing up alone, will make sure that India does not become a digital colony. And he's created Geo. And look at the brilliance of the Geo idea. Geo Mart. What does Geo Mart do? Connect all the Kirana. So don't try to replace them. Don't try to destroy the livelihood. But how do you make money? Connect them to the consumers on Geo. And then you consolidate all the purchase orders. Go to the big manufacturers like Levers, who earn 22-23% operating margin, very high because of the lack of distinct competition and the strong brand, and tell them, I got a million units, give me 10% discount. If you don't, I'll go to Imami, I'll go to Cottage, I'll go somewhere else, I'll go to Patanjali, right? And he can distribute. The person who controls the supply chain can control the market because he controls the front end and the supply chain. And he's done that in uh, GeoMart. And after, uh, you know, when he has GeoMart, he's got entertainment, he's got all the news channels. Uh, I don't know whether he's invested in New Shadda. Maybe you are next on the target <laughs> list or whatever it is. So he's got all the news channels. He's got content, everything coming up. He's a Durdashi, a far-sighted master strategist who has put money, who has got equity and who has done all this. But and but he's going to do that. So, but sir, lots of questions are coming and I have to ask this. Okay. They're saying that, you know, with this investment, it, it, it becomes difficult for a lot of startups, right? Because Geo is and Facebook coming together creates a sort of monopoly in a lot of spaces. See, my advice to Indian startups is Geo is a big player. Geo is the big umbrella, the big daddy. But will Geo be nimble and will be more innovative on a smaller scale? Very difficult. Because when you become a big beast, innovation is difficult, even though they've been very innovative. So they'll be part of the landscape. They'll be part of the infrastructure. They'll do their thing. But there is space for it to grow. There's space for it to grow with superior technology, with a sharper focus on customer service and giving the customers what they want in a very unique manner. Now, Nike has done very well because vertical e-commerce. Now, you've got Licious who's doing very well. It's got vertical e-commerce. Now, you are doing very well because in the media, you've got a you know, particular way where you are almost a monopoly, right? So, there are other people like that. So, you focus on area and grow that area, develop expertise, and create barriers for this. So you could be acquired in stake case somebody wants to come. Because in any company, in any country where there's a very large player, competition will always come up. And how does competition succeed? Because of innovation. And please remember, young people have no loyalty. Older people like me may have some loyalty. We want to stake. We don't want to change habits. Younger people like you always want to try new stuff, new services, new things. And uh, they're very trendy, right? So they get, uh, you know, they get fed up of uh, old stuff. That's why today the under 15, under 16 generation, maybe under 20 generation wants Instagram. I did my first Instagram broadcast 
about a month ago, so I know something about it. <laughs> I didn't know. I was never on Instagram. I actually did it. It was very nice. So I think, you know, it's like that. Facebook is now was the, was the queen of the walk uh, 10 years ago, five, five, seven years ago. Now we know it happens. So innovation will always be there. So Geo has its place. Geo will consolidate. You've got Walmart, you've got Amazon, very big players. You've got Bharti, very big players. You've got Vodafone. They could all create uh, their own networks. They could all compete. So there's going to be very strong competition. But the key thing is the cost of transmission or the cost of the supply chain is coming down because of Geo. And that will boost the spending ability for everybody. And if you have a very focused market, you'll do well. I want to ask you about your own personal relationship with money. And what does money mean? You know, I remember Narayan Murthy telling me at one point of time, Mohan, you have to make yourself strong because before you can help others. Because I always had this ambition that I must help others and, you know, I never took care of myself. Okay. And let me say, when I started my practice in uh, 1982 as a CA, I was earning 500 rupees a month. And I used to go to my mother to ask for uh, uh, money for petrol for my SD. Okay. And even though we did gate work, nobody paid us very well. And then uh, I became executive director of a leasing company. I was getting 10,000 rupees a month, not very much those days. I never had money at the month end, even after I married, when uh, the, the boys were very young and we didn't have much money, right? And when I joined Infosys, we are not paid very well in the beginning, okay? Uh, but, you know, we always work. And for us, the, the thrill of working, the thrill of achieving something, doing something, changing, growing, was so enormous, we didn't look after ourselves. And then, of course, we had the stock option scheme. I designed the Infosys stock option scheme in 1984. Uh, Government of India, uh, you know, passed two, two laws to tax it, could not. And we went to the Supreme Court and won. So it is still not taxed. It created maybe $1,000 millionaires, 20,000 rupee million, all kind of stuff. So, you know, the stock options gave us some kind of wealth. Not our compensation, not our thing. And later only, maybe in the last six, seven years of my career at Infi, we got paid reasonably well because till then, you know, we all used to not get a good salary for whatever reason, okay? Yeah. Uh, but, what, what, but, but to me, money is important. Money is important, let me say this. You must not be short of money. You must have money to meet your needs, money to keep you comfortable, not to worry about the next meal or tomorrow. And over a period of time, build up savings so that you have money to take care of your family. Your family should be comfortable, is important. And you should have some money to invest and some money to give away. And I think it's very important to have money to give away as you grow along, Shraddha. Uh, you know, I've been giving away everything I earned for the last 15 years. I sell my assets to, uh, you know, uh, to invest and I sell my assets to meet my expenditure. Because for me, you know, I, I'm born in a different milieu. All right, my mother was a school teacher who walked to a school for 30 years to save money to pay for my education, even though we didn't need it. My father was okay. I had a car when I was a child to take me to school and all that. But that's the thinking of these people because they belong to the post-independent generation who had nothing. They had nothing. They struggled. They saved money. They gave the children a great education. And that education is what made all of us what we are. So there's a respect for money. I give up my money. I mean, I have an old car, which I think they want me to change. It's 12 years old. <laughs> and I remember after I left Infi, you know, they sold off my car when I came home in the evening and said, buy a new car. <laughs> I, I'm so fond of the car. Whatever it is, you know. Uh, and uh, I, 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 I live a very simple life because that's the way I'm brought up. And for me, going around, people saying you're a moneyed man doesn't matter. 
for me, I respect the person with the best ideas. I don't respect the person who's the richest man, who lives the grandest mansion, whatever. I respect the person who has the great ideas. So we're born up in a different culture, different way. But money is important. Money should make you comfortable. We must have savings. You must never have want. And as you grow older, it's only your savings that sustain you because you may not work. Nobody may hide you. Nobody may give you a salary. Nobody may pay you. And I think that's a sad thing. But you know, that's a reality. So you need the savings and you must take care of your children. Make sure they're comfortable. Your family is comfortable. Your friends are comfortable. So that is the first priority. And you must have savings because we are in a, a very strange country, right? We're in a strange country without social security. You pay enormous amount of tax, but you get nothing from the government where the money is gone for other things. So I think money is important and you have to take care of yourself, make yourself strong before you help others. And now we are investing all the accumulated savings we have in startups and other long term. And Sid and I have, have many fights wherein uh, Sid sometimes gets upset that uh, all our wealth is in uh, uh, you know, long term funds and in startups and the liquidity is not there to the extent that anybody may wish and uh, they're stuck up in illiquid instruments, blah, blah, blah. But you know, that's the considerable risk that you take. Sid, you tell me, what is your relationship with money? Uh, my relationship with money is, um, it's always been very functional. I think, uh, so also to mirror, even though, even though I am, I am actually his son, we never actually realized what that meant until, until we got, we got much older. In fact, my pocket money has been hundred rupees, I think ever since, uh, ever since, uh, ever since about seventh or eighth standard. In fact, the, la the latest install, he cut it off the moment he reached college, the last six months and he's always paid in arrears. The last <laughs> six months installment actually came in uh, November of 2019. Without any interest or penalties or anything else that actually came in. So that was the last like six hundred six months installment so I, actually came there. I got I got five rupees a week. Okay. Five rupees a week is pocket money. Oh, so that means you're very lucky. <laughs> no, Sada. So see, given the given the fact that both of us are finance people, the right question to ask is what is uh, what is the adjustment for inflation? Even to adjust for inflation from five rupees to hundred rupees, it's actually it's actually far less than what's needed. Huh? So these are the kind of questions he doesn't answer. Huh? No, so so jokes aside, so I think we've always had that particular thing. So see, it's uh, the uh, the more the more frugal you actually are with money, that's when the more frugal you have money, the more innovative you actually become. Uh, become. So see what this even this entire virus, what what COVID nineteen is actually taught is the fact that the amount of money you actually need for your day to day expenses and everything is actually far less than the amount you used to spend previously. You don't have to go out as often, go to all those fancy places and do do whatever however you're spending your money during all that particular time. So the total amount you need is actually lower. And what's important for everyone from a money management perspective is. Uh, once, once everyone needs to have a number as to what is the amount of money they actually require in order to lead a comfortable life and to do whatever else they want to go travel, go travel a couple of times a year, go out, go out to eat, go out to drink, uh, go to drink, uh, go meet, be with friends, etc. Hit that particular number. Make sure whatever salary or whatever other income streams that you have actually allows you to reach that number. Then work even harder to make sure once you exceed that number, whatever goodwill you accumulate, whatever money you get, you can actually start using that money for more meaningful purposes as well. There are a number of people who are actually who are not as well off as you, no matter how hard they try, it's possible for them to actually come out of that particular poverty trap that they are stuck in as of now. Even though the government has done tremendous work in terms of uh, opening bank accounts, jam, in terms of the direct benefit transfers, etc., there's still a lot more that the Indians who are well off can actually do. So the moment you hit your particular number, work harder to get a large amount of money, give that money away to good causes, help another person actually realize their business dreams by becoming investors, Make sure you actually you, you you actually support good journalism. You actually support good artists, good creators, and everyone like that, so that everyone actually leads a much greater life. This is the most important thing when it actually comes to money. Because see, if you go and ask any any 
Everyone looks at Jeff Bezos where when he crossed 100 billion or anything in his lifetime and the lifetime of his next seven generations, he'll never be able to spend all that particular money, right? Past a certain amount, it just becomes a bragging point. It becomes a vanity thing. It's important for you to move away from that association that the higher my net worth, the higher my bank balance, more important I am to society as a whole. Your importance to society doesn't come with how much money is sitting in the bank. It actually depends on how well you utilize your time and how well you utilize whatever money you have to make sure that everyone else can actually come up at the same time as well. So that's my entire relationship. Piece of advice to all of us because we are all living in the most uncertain times of our lives. What would you tell us? Well, I would tell everybody, keep your dreams alive. The dreams are going to happen. It may take a little bit more time, but the dreams will happen. Keep your cheer. Keep your optimism. The sun is going to rise in the morning and you're going to win. You're going to realize your dream. You're going to win. You are in a great country which is going to grow. You are in a big market. India has got wonderful people. And if you keep your dream alive, your optimism alive, your passion, energy alive, despite going through bad times. Remember, life is kata meter. There is going to be good time. There are going to be bad times. It's all a part of your experience. And if you, if you go through such a time like this when you're very young, you're much better off than having to hit a wall when you're 40, 45. Because when you're much younger, you're more energy. And the learnings that you have from this downturn, this kind of a virus and how it's impacting, will make you a much, much better person in future.